Hi, this is Ken Sagos, a.k.a. Ken K. from A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 and Part 4. And let me tell you what I do. You see, when I finish kicking Freddy's Krueger's ass all over Dreamland, I kick back and relax at Nightmare Jughead Podcast. And out of your consciousness, like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that knows nothing good comes from combining food with monsters. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, our exploration of some of our favorite Blu-ray labels takes us to the seedier side of the disc as we mix music with an apocalypse and talk 1998's Six String Samurai. And whether you've opened for the Red Elvises or not, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your hole. I was wondering how it would hit you. It hits everyone differently. We'll talk about how it truly hits you. Uh, and I, if you I are, wanted to say something about, like, Boy's Soul. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. That's when the movie took a turn and you can take a turn with us on social media uh we're turning on twitter at nightmare junk and on facebook at nightmare junkhead and it is on that book of face where we have an events tab which leads to shenanigans and rockabilly shenanigans and as this episode is releasing on friday january 13th if you find yourself in the kansas city area Head on over to screenland.com where you will find they have your rockabilly shenanigans taken care of indoors and virtually and the Friday this episode releases Genius. Our latest Friday Night Fright, since it is falling on a Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. we would be doing things way wrong if we didn't take in a Friday the 13th film. Oh, yes, absolutely. And we've taken in several mm-hmm. via Friday the 13th, but when put to the, you know, which one should we screen, we decided, well, let's go with. One of the be all Let's end go with all. A fan favorite. Let's a, go with, uh, with a good staple. I don't want to say it's safe, but no. But it's definitely, it's definitely you're gonna have more yays than you're gonna because especially if we didn't announce it, ladies and gentlemen, Jason goes to hell. Boo! Would, I personally would be like yay, but I know a whole bunch of people who'd be like boo. We get phantasm ravengered. This one hits all the points you need for a Friday the Thirteenth film, and I will say this: if you come early for the pre-show. You will see two bits of Letterman taking on uh, the cast and crew from the final chapter. Wonderful. Wonderful. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, that being said, looking forward to next Friday Night Fright, God bless you, is a movie I did not get to see on the big screen. And it's a movie by what you call a divisive filmmaker. Yeah, I would. I think you'd have a lot of people who are diehards and i think you have a lot of casual fans but i think a lot of normies tend not to be like ooh kevin smith and it's very rare that you can combine kevin smith with horror and when you do you get a you get wildly different results uh go back just a few years ago when uh red state yeah. participated in the into the mouth of march madness tournament but we are going to be taking in a movie that gets weird yeah cronenberg meets animal planet and it's a movie that came out of a podcast and a conversation on Smodcast with mm-hmm. him and Scott Mosier, a little film called Tusk, mm-hmm. which puts podcasters to task. Again. And Again. Oh, <laughs> and it's a great, uh, you always feel bad whenever you see Justin Long in a horror movie. You always feel bad and you always feel uneased whenever you see uh, Ray Park in a uh, horror movie. Michael Parks? Michael Park. Michael Parks. Ray Park would be Ray a Park. lot different. Although, although you always feel bad because you know something's going to get fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> now, but this yeah, one... Michael Parks, he's he plays a killer performance but because he, he's off-putting creepy. Well, and it's great that he, Kevin Smith obviously found his next muse, the person, not Jason Muse, but M-U-S-E, of who to deliver his dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and be, between Red State... Tusk, 
perfect performances, and yeah, this one goes places. Yeah. So prepare yourselves. Now, that being said, uh, the other repertory screenings that are happening on the weekend of the 13th, a film that would definitely qualify, I think, as gateway horror, a film by a filmmaker who is constantly confused with one Tim Burton, but anytime you break out a film by Henry Selleck, mm-hmm. you know you're in for a scary kid good time right it's gonna be a good time and it's gonna be a stop motion good time and Coraline is one of those that I finally I saw many moons ago Coraline's fucked up isn't it very scary it's like proper dark fairy tale it's really well done kinder trauma yeah it is yeah it is and it is kind of it is kind of a bummer that a lot of his work is overshadowed by the name Tim Burton Mm -hmm. you know because a lot of that credit to Nightmare on Elm Nightmare on Elm Street (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Name it before Christmas goes to Tom Henry. God damn it. <laughs> I was just saying how bad it is to be, like, you know, always into the thumb of uh, Tim Burton. I guess it's always would be also as bad to be into the thumb of Tom Selleck. I guess there could be worse things. Better under his thumb than his mustache. That's true. That's true. I mean, dun, 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 dun. Can you imagine a stop motion Magnum P.I.? That'd be rad. As long as Zeus and Apollo are represented, mm-hmm. it's it's... Ask your grandparents, kids. Uh, now, the other one, and it's an I've seen that for me, and it was a film that I rented out in my back at the peak of my heyday at Farmore Video. Uh, I believe it was Nicole Kidman's first U.S. role uh, to die for. I saw that movie in the theater, Buck Did Henry. You? Yeah. Okay. It, it, that movie is because it's pseudo based on a true story true story which is and it's a fucked up story and the fact that you have buck henry who is also responsible for eating raul and who also is responsible for one of the i don't watch 30 rock but i know buck henry is always in there every now and then and there's this joke that he says and that just cracks me up because it's one of those jokes like if you know you know where uh because her name is liz lemon right mm-hmm. And she's like, hey, lemons here. Now it's a party. You can't have a lemon party without old Dick, right? Because, like, it's like your friend Dick. No, but I don't think there are only a few. If you know what a lemon party is, don't look it up on anything, no, especially a, if you're at work. It's a cursed, it's cursed. It's, it's absolutely cursed. cursed image. But at the same time, it's just like <laughs> the stuff that you can get away with. Well, I think many moons from now, people will look back at that kind of a moment and go, they said that. On network TV because whoosh, mm-hmm. the beauty of that kind of stuff. No, I'm really mu- very much looking forward to it. And I do believe it's part of a new series that is going to be part of Screenland with some very specialty programming. So check that out. Now, if all of that sounds cool, uh, you know, but you'd like and you'd like to give back to Screenland, but you don't live in the area, well, you can do that uh, a couple ways. Uh, first, of course, you can go to ScreenlandOnline.com where they have a number of films that you can rent from them directly, or even better. Become a member of their film family by going to patreon.com slash screenland. Had to think about that for a second. You're you're infecting me, my friend. Uh, but one of the many perks they offer is a little movie watch party that Genius and I contribute to uh, mm-hmm. when I'm pushing the record button correctly. <laughs> a little thing we call the Shutter Shoutout. And our very first one of uh, the year of 2023 will be releasing on Saturday, January 28th. To be announced. Yes. Still deciding on the pair of films that we're going to partner together as a double feature. Uh, but by joining the film family, you're going to have access to guaranteed the pre-show, hopefully the video introduction of Genius and myself, <laughs> the trailer reels, and then hopefully video of the post-film discussion. Genius, what do you call this? It's the home game. It's a lot of fun. It is. It is a lot of fun. And uh, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to... It's magical. Should be noted that we did talk both Christmas Bloody Christmas and Terror Train Mm -hmm. and our one for December, last one of 2022. And yes, because of the inclusion of one David Copperfield, (laughs) you do see some Doug Henning in the pre-show. Abracadabra. (laughs) Although I missed out on that one. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I do believe Samson would look down Ah! upon that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So if that sounds interesting, head on over to patreon.com slash screenland. But genius, if I'm talking Patreon and film family. Hey, bellies. We also have our own gathering of some of our favorite people and then some. Um, In fact, I think 
and we'll go ahead and introduce them here because I think your hidden perk here, uh, good sir, is you do contribute, which we do appreciate. Uh, he is at the uh, another time tier, so of course this individual has access to our monthly commentary tracks. He, he's like, oh yeah, I got to remember. Like, oh, I could listen to let that. Me, yeah. Let me go. Let me go ahead and like no, trust uh, me. Then. At least half of our film family members are guarantee we you don't even listen. Guarantee you, <laughs> they, like we hear enough of them. On a regular basis, we fucking don't need to like hear him in the car. Diana told us that directly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But he can also listen to some of our new horror episodes, uh, and of course, have access to all the stuff in the Shutter Shoutout. Uh, if we were in an apocalypse, which is the setting we're going to be talking about today, ideally he would be the Ayatollah of Rock and Rula. <laughs> you know him as the co-host of the Media Rewind podcast. Please welcome back, Dustin Pryor. Leave the gas. Walk away. <laughs> this is where the video component would be wonderful, but if I'm staying on brand, we would have missed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could always recreate. Cut it. We'll do it in post. When was that established, the movement when you're doing? From It's I just from it, day one. From we day manifested that somehow while we were gas. watching Mad Max, because he's like. Because he's, he's like he's swole. Like swole. He's, flex, he's got flex appeal. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. We were talking about like one of those old like 80s infomercials where they're like peddling their wares with like the, the home gym, the right. globo gym, who the that? robo gym. God damn it. Who was that dude that was like short and squat, but he was Tony real Rob, Not Tony Robbins. No, but he um, had the long rat something tail. Something little. Uh, yeah, Tony, Tony Little, Tony Little, Tony Little. Yeah, Tony Little. yeah he I'm was like the one that gazelle. did the gazelle. That's what uh, it yeah, was. That's yeah, that's what it was. I'm a man cheetah. He's over there. Hey man, I'll I can't see. hate on him because no, whatever he, he was bank. shopping, he made a lot of he money. He made a lot of bank. So how does he hold out though in the apocalypse? Is the question. Well, his cardio is there. I mean, he can outrun almost everybody because of his gazelle. <laughs> oh, and I want the record to state: I do listen to you guys on Patreon because I do love the. I've seen that. Ah, you know why? Because they're bite-sized. No, it's usually be just because like it's it's when I get the email notification and then I click on the notification to go to Patreon, like listen to it, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. They get bite-sized. Yeah. Perfect nooners. That's why. That's why they're released at noon. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, well, if you all are thinking about it, I just watched uh, recently a uh, documentary on Nolan Ryan. Uh, had a chance to watch uh, Ryan Johnson's Glass Onion. Please tell me it, it, it goes into great detail on the time when he kicked uh, what's-his-name's ass when he charged them out. Was it Kurt Gibson? Robin Ventura. Oh, Robin Ventura. Could, That's not, was, yeah. could not be reached for comment, but oh, they do address it. It's goddamn glorious. Nolan Ryan's sitting there with a, long, uh, with a Lone Star beer going, yep, I whipped his ass. <laughs> you don't even want to talk about it. I and, was in my 40s whipping that 20-year-old's ass. And genius, you're not a big, you're not a sports fan. I band. know of Nolan Ryan. You know of the guy, he was the guy that yeah. beat the Piss. Oh yeah, you, they always show it on like like greatest like hits of and literal and they have literal quote unquote hits. hits of baseball or some shit like that. Just people and then they have the next one, the one right after that is uh, the KC one where George Brett charges right the up. mound. I just always and used so, to love like they they used to do an intro and, and I mean you know some of your sports ball fans out there can can you know tweet at you and whatnot, but I'm pretty sure that this week in baseball. Used to have like a little snippet, like it was just the clip. Well, the when problem it would come on on Saturdays. Who missed out when the tiger, you know, snatched the guy up, or when the guy's head fell off when he was going for the ball? <laughs> right oh, down yeah. and like, hey, it's Enrique Palazzo. No, but they always <laughs> they used to have like, like you said, the the fails of the week, and yeah. then like the sports fail. And then, do you remember they used to like sell whole VHSs? Oh yeah, of I had those, them all. Like, I had sports fails. I had dazzling dunks and basketball bloopers. I had like <laughs> at least three of those VHSs. <laughs> Were they hosted by Ahmad Rashad as? well no they were actually uh by uh frank oh he was the old utah jazz coach schlubby white put upon white guy he was awesome <laughs> frank oh this is killing me i'm i'm gonna go to the internet eventually to pull his name up but no i grew up on a steady diet of all that kind of stuff okay so i know you're just a little bit older than genius and mm -hmm. i but did you have jock jams volume one and two <laughs> total domination I think I was stuck in either Freedom Rock. It's not a bad place to be. Now, if this banter has not turned you off, 
and you'd be interested in coming and joining a film family and maybe engaging in conversation like this, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash nightmare junkhead, where from, and I've seen that to another time. Another place. We've got good stuff for you. And not content. Fuel. <laughs> it's 2023. Treat yourself. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So leave a like and walk away. Speaking. <laughs> <laughs> got to get that on camera. Speaking of treating yourselves. Eventually, we've got to come over and watch that uh, Roadhouse Blu-ray. That oh, hell yeah. Up. Roadhouse. Courtesy of our good friends at Vinegar Syndrome. Now, last week I said, genius. If I say criterion, mm-hmm. what kind of a phrase, what image comes to mind? Ooh, fancy. Like somebody with like a monocle looking through their DVD collection. Perfect, perfect. Now, if I say Vinegar Syndrome... What comes to mind? Trashy. Somebody <laughs> looking at a monocle through somebody else's. <laughs> they through like through a slot that you put a quarter in, and it slides up, and then you're like just peeping. <sighs> and Vinegar Syndrome is that Blu-ray label that did indeed start off in the pornography, but the pornography that you would have seen in the theater mm-hmm. films. Uh, what's his bucket from Boogie Nights was trying to make these kind of movies, right? Kind of like think of like a little bit hardcore more than Debbie Does Dallas, mm-hmm. Be- and more shocking than Beyond the Green Door, <laughs> more tantalizing than Deep Throat. You will <laughs> <laughs> save the jeans, genius. Save the jeans. But those are the kind of movies that Vinegar Syndrome put out. In fact, when you would go to conventions, if you went to the website, you felt like. They needed a beaded curtain. They were the beaded curtain. Yes, they were. They had, if this was the way back in the day, you would add, are you 18 to enter this site? And yep. you'd have to click yes, even if you're like 12. <laughs> you know, like, yes, yeah, as a matter of fact, I am, right? You can't even look at our DVD art. Nope. Right? And they were notorious for that. In fact, back in the day when... I they think- were smut peddlers. They were, I mean, but I use that in the most loving term because oh, yes. it's- this was curated smut Mm -hmm. this was smut that would if like certain like pitchfork and torch uh waving people would have would be banished from the face of the earth but now it is curated behind the scenes footage well i don't know about how much behind the scenes footage of porn you'd need but documentary documentaries documentaries and documentations like all this great stuff for the porn aficionados because like burt reynolds was right even if you are making adult content, you're still making a film. Yeah. You know? And they shot on film back in the day, and actually Vinegar Syndrome itself is named for the acidic smell of deteriorating film. Uh, They were founded in 2012 on the very premise of restoring these erotic movies, Mm -hmm. of which there is a large audience for. The Devil and Mrs. Jones. All of those kind of illicit films that we probably partook in on vhs possibly emmanuel in space if you were lucky enough to have that relative (laughs) or Mm -hmm. cinemax Mm -hmm. yeah ready willing and able a a lot of bavarian boob comedies the erotic adventures of romeo and juliet usually involving cousins possibly the erotic adventures of heidi the erotic adventures of hercules (laughs) and so you know if you they are talking about those kind of movies in the simpsons there's a huge market for it. Well, those other ones I was saying was just off the ones that I've seen off the top of my head. For the ones so. on his movie shelf. <laughs> yeah, I think but, they might. But I granted, think, they, I mean, they are no, on the movie top of them, shelf. I think they might be that, no, no, yeah, you, you must be this old and this tall to reach those movies. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Uh, founded by Joe Rubin and Ryan Emerson, and they basically take, they're the flip side of Criterion mm-hmm. in terms of the fancy Art house films, very important to film and history, too. Here's the thing. If Criterion is the fancy schmancy couple, like or the fancy schmancy place, Vinegar Syndrome is where they get where they well, What's the password? Vinegar Syndrome orgy. That's the one where they all go all the fancy eyes wide shut. And like you have the to know people to be able to get access to yeah. this. Or this is the one where you go down in the basement of some like uh, 42nd Street back in the day yeah. because that's the movies that it would be. There's a, There was a danger, I think, to even perusing the Vinegar Syndrome stuff back in the day. But because of that foundation, then they found their way into 
exploitation and cult films and horror and started licensing so many of these unknown titles. And that's the best part, I think, with Vinegar Syndrome back in the day is they exposed a lot of people to a lot of films they had no idea existed versus a lot of these other companies like like the Criterions that they get scanners, mm-hmm. more populist. But Vinegar Syndrome, they get the suckling. Yeah, and they get Penitentiary 1 and 2. And possibly 3. And possibly 3. Portrait of Jekyll and Hyde. Sweet trash. Yes, sweet trash. God loves sweet trash. To the point, though... Not to be confused with street trash. <laughs> as we did back in the day when we transitioned into host back at the draft house. But then they continued to grow more and more to the point where... You know, Dustin just re- received his Roadhouse, Roadhouse. Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. I finally watched my c- copy of Cloak and Dagger. Um, they put out probably the best version of the Beastmaster. They went from Hell comes to Hell comes Hell to Frogtown. Comes to I have Frog the Hell comes to Frogtown one. Yeah, and they continued in the grand tradition that Criterion established with. A lot, not only the packed extras, the documentaries, the archival footage of all the stuff that is, you know, from cultivated from back in the day to the stuff that they're putting out that is current and new to these just beautiful things, again, that you can Mm -hmm. display. And looking at the version we have, not only does it have an incredible cover, again, a booklet with many essays, loaded. This is just, Vinegar Syndrome now has a reputation of quality. It, they have, and they still hold on to a lot of their sleazy roots. Oh, of course, they and still that's the, are putting they're, out they're that still stuff putting out. out that stuff. But again, with that, putting it on the pedestal, saying this movie deserves to be it's in- the same level as, say, something else on Criteria, as like an uh, um, avant-garde movie, mm-hmm. or a Merchant Ivory film, something because this these movies do need to be saved and 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 his. Historized? Archived. Archived, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and then going into like their Forgotten Jolly series. Then a lot of fans of Jalo are like, I've JT, film family members, JT loves Jalo films. He's usually like, I've never heard of a single one of them that are in these collections. They find these films. Mm-hmm. They're at the point now they're completing films. Uh we saw we saw New York Ninja, New York Ninja. in my backyard. Miami Connection. God damn that I was mean, actually th- the draft. Yeah, but Draft House found it, but then they put out a newer edition with more stuff mm-hmm. than what the Draft House version had. Well, I mean, one of the things I like, you know, immensely about Vinegar Syndrome is that they find these obscure ones that maybe you saw back in the day that you that you remember this nostalgic fondness for, like Rad, you, like Rad, like Miami Connection, and you're like, man, I remember seeing that. Well, well, now you can find it. Now you don't have to pay four hundred dollars for some weird like Bootleg. offshoot DVD that's got some some kid's little brother that somebody art filmed on the, cover. on the thing, right? Yeah, and it's the running theme of the movies, whether it be the erotic titles or the ones you're like, did I see that? It always feels like a fever dream mm-hmm. when you're watching them mm-hmm. because they're always odd. I they're bl- all, there's something always weird and bizarre with them they're not like just normal films no i blind bought blood games on the very premise that buck flower appeared in it (laughs) and it was such a good surprise that i had you guys watch it so i watched it twice flowers exactly and it was like this is a really kind of competently made movie that Mm -hmm. just but it's for another audience veers into madness yes and i feel more comfortable wading into the vinegar syndrome waters now and not so much from the fact that they're pulling more i don't want to say like populist titles but stuff that people are more familiar with but when they bring out a film that's like this is the one that no one's heard of that everyone's going to talk about Mm -hmm. and nine times out of ten they're doing exactly that it's kind of incredible the bad thing about it is is like as much good shit puts out on the secondhand market because as soon as they announce like hey these titles are coming up next thing you know broop, it's all sold out oh yeah a day later or sometimes that, that day uh, yeah you'll see hey i got this sold out title that was on their website for 50 bucks if you want it i got it for 250 dollars or if you want the slip cover I've seen slip covers go for a hundred bucks and up. Unreal. Slip covers, just Unreal. slip covers. I understand the art is beautiful and the art is great, but god damn. Well, they've tapped into the collectability aspect of these as well and how people, 
I don't want to say they're addicted. It's the dark side of the boutique Blu-ray. Well, I mean, I know we're talking specifically about vinegar syndrome, but Shout has done that to me multiple times. Oh, like, absolutely. Where, where yeah. they'll package, like, especially when they did the Carpenter. Uh, the Steel. The Steelbook Carpenters, mm-hmm. where they released, like, the Assault on Precinct 13, uh, like, the lithograph, the print. Or the They Live. I don't think they did a They Live, but they did another one. Um, but that, I bought them specifically for the artwork that came because mm-hmm. I had three copies of the damn movie anyway. Right. But I didn't have all the extras. Nope. And Vinegar Syndrome is starting to capitalize oh, on yeah, that. I mean, think are. about what they. I mean, honestly, I just I have not watched it yet, but I just opened up the the Roadhouse boutique, is, and that thing is massive. Is it in this kind of format? Yeah, it's yep. in it's in like a fold out box, so it's not like just a cheap clamshell. Nope. And the it's best part, great artwork. When you have the little ribbon like this, it's mm-hmm. fancy. Yeah, it, it makes you feel like like it's this the little is pinky out. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I should be going to the double deuce and like drinking my beer out of like fine china, lifting my pinky. Just avoid the little urinal cakes. <laughs> Don't eat the small thin mints. <laughs> I've watched boutique things like this in prison all the time. Oh, no. Well, veer off that one real quick. But, hey, at home here at Vinegar Syndrome. Right? All are welcome. Again. Yeah, it's become this, like, code name of cool, but also more and more people kind of recognize it. In fact, when we we put the disc on, what greets you? The logo? (laughs) And... That it's it's Pavlovian. It's almost like Canon. It's and this is just a just well, technically Canon was a distribution company. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what they're doing. They're distributing all these incredible experiences. And especially again, my favorites are the blind buy, the suckling. Yeah. Oh. Have you already heard of the suckling, no. Dustin? No, I have not. You, this is one I probably wouldn't have you watch with us, because <laughs> I watched it one time and it's about a brothel that's also a abortion clinic. Uh, that uh, is above a toxic waste area. And needless to say, if you combine those things... Shenanigans ensue. Oh, yes. I experienced it. Talked about it on the... I've seen that and may not, but the the making of is awesome. There's a commentary included with it that I'm sure is incredible that I could go back to. That's why I love these things. And again... Mm -hmm. It's it's the collectability, but it's we have it. We don't have to worry about licensing. Right. And... There and disappearing. Are, and multiple ways that you can experience with the commentary tracks. It just I I Hi, I'm Greg Dedrick and I'm a, I'm an addict to a boutique Blu-rays. <laughs> hey, I mean I, it's, that's what I buy a lot of them for is the is the special features because yeah. I mean how many yeah. I, honestly, how many times have you seen Roadhouse? Right. How many times have you seen like some of these more, you know, Hell Comes to Frogtown? But no, you buy them for the extras because you're like, hell, I haven't seen how they made the film or, you know, what Roddy Piper was like on set. And again, these are movies that aren't streaming. These aren't movies that you can't. These are movies that just like you don't know who owns the rights to this point, the streaming to this or that. These are movies you may never see the light of day again. And if you do find them, they're on like a multi-pack and they're just bare bones. Bare bones. They have nothing with them. Exactly. And And then these are movies you're like, holy shit, the movie is wild. How do they do this? Mm-hmm. I want to know more about that. Would and you like to know more? <laughs> Would you like to know more? And then there's nothing. And again, some of these, they might go back into the Disney vault, but not because of like some greedy corporation, just yeah. because like lost to the sands of time. But because we would have these physical, beautiful artwork and these all conscious sub fever dreams that we have of these movies, they live to see another day. And we've developed a good enough relationship that one of their reps, uh, James, who we see on the convention circuit all the time, mm-hmm. always remembers us, mm-hmm. which is really nice. They have personal relationships with, yeah. their, with their clientele. And that's why whenever we go to Crypticon, whenever we go to any kind of horror convention and there's a Vinegar Syndrome table. We always go I'm say, gonna, hey. And I'm going to buy at least two or three. Yeah, because they're always putting out cool new shit. And also shout out, shout out to James if you buy you know, four more. I'll give you a little bit of a day. And also, <laughs> my favorite thing is to listen to him pedal every mm-hmm. single day title and he'll talk to you and figure out your taste and he's also very blunt which is also one of my favorite it's just exchanges do you remember the splatter university moment yeah when we had those people that saw it at the uh the dismember screening mm-hmm. ah gold gold in fact i got that one oh, it's a great i do it's too a, it's a great splatter one. it's a great addition it's a great addition but then that leads us to the title that we're going to be talking about here and it's one that was a first time viewing for both of you um, it was a return viewing for myself, and it's one that we established early on in terms of genre. 
that definitely falls into horror, at least horror adjacent. Uh-huh. It's and apocalyptic, which has been established as Early horror. on from yes. like Fury Road. And if I remember right, I think the first thing that we all ever recorded on was an Mad Max. Nerds and Nostalgia yes. episode, the Mad, Rats, the Mad Rats retrospective. First time I encountered you, Dustin, and I, I just see this <laughs> Lord humongous looking dude. Arr. I'm terrified, but then the moment you open your mouth, I'm like, oh yeah, he's he's one of us. Yeah, I, that's that's what most people say. You know, they, but, they, they're like, you're intimidating, and then you laugh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But you also are our actioneer, and so you're definitely seeped in the love of apop- apocalyptic Oh, films. hell yeah. Like, I like this world. <laughs> <laughs> to the point, I mean, Media Rewind, technically, The Walking Dead is very much apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've, again, you've been into the Badlands, yeah. which yeah. this would kind of. This would be a really good like, interesting with Into mm-hmm. the Badlands. Yeah. Because a lot of uh, sword play. So, question Had you ever heard of Six String Samurai before I had, like, even mentioned maybe possibly doing this episode? It's an I've heard of that. Okay. But no, I've not, I couldn't tell you other than it's a post apocalyptic guy that has a guitar and fights people with a sword. Yeah, I've seen That's that. That's about it. Yeah. yeah. Dustin? No. Okay. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> and do you think maybe it's because it's more of an independent film that maybe yeah, that one? Yeah. I mean, you guys know my wheelhouse. I mean, yeah. if it wasn't Stallone and Schwarzenegger and right. you know, Van Damme Seagal kind of stuff, I really didn't. Did gravitate toward it so well even better even going more contemporary at one point Jason during the Statham. movie oh. Oh, no it wasn't even statham <laughs> it, it, it wasn't a do it give us a little statham it's a little bit of statham there it is it was more scott atkins the atkins oh, diet yeah. I'd, I'd love to see a remake with this with scott atkins oh hell me? yeah dude the scott atkins with this as uh, here as buddy holly mm-hmm. like rockabillying out I would like to see, and speaking of going back into the like weird, odd, not really cameos, but I would like to see him and Robert Rodriguez team up and do some shit. That'd be oh, cool. That'd be insane. I bet he. I bet together they could put on something. Like if they did a remake, like if Robert Rodriguez's Six String Samurai remake with Scott Atkins, that'd be fucking tight. Well, no, then, yeah. But then you've also you're gonna have uh, Antonio Banderas in there Ooh, somewhere. Too sexy. Yeah. You know. Oh, that's. You could have Danny Trejo as Death. Yeah, you could. As just the top hat. Damn. I'm okay, Rodriguez. Make this happen. We That's we have right. time. We have Who time. Who do we need to call? <laughs> but we have actually delved into apocalyptic episodes outside of Fury Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorites, <laughs> a boy and his dog, being mm-hmm. one of the highlights. But then, of course, you came in because we needed your help in the apocalypse. Uh, we talked to Doomsday. Oh, great film! Great. Film. <laughs> so we legit love apocalyptic films. But then when you add something different to it and this i think definitely separates it is you add the element of kung fu Mm -hmm. which is always good because that doesn't necessarily go hand in hand with apocalyptic films but then a lot of rockabilly and a rockabilly score go anywhere with apocalypse no no and like diegetic rockabilly music Mm. that exists within the movie that's not only the score and then so when you combine those three you get a film like six string samurai and it makes sense that Vinegar Syndrome would be able to put together this incredible package and get a chance for action, apocalyptic, you know, enthusiasts to mark it off on your checklist. Because this is a what the fuck movie. Yes, There's it is. There's a lot of like, even on paper. How Did we- I just see that? What? Right, like, what? Like, why am I watching a movie about like people going to become the king of Ella? Las Vegas in a post-apocalyptic setting. You know, I'm like, I'm down for this ride, but like, even on paper, that sounds a recipe for what the fuckery. And we like a lot of the and WTF. it's great. That's kind you of know, perfect. like it's like, all right, cool. A lot of people will be like, pass just on the synopsis alone, but like, shit, bring it on. Well, the, I, the, I first saw this. I was living up in Lawrence at the time, and I had rented it from uh, Liberty. So get regional. Yeah. Dustin definitely probably rented Hell a few action yeah. films from there back in the day. <laughs> And I walked it back to my apartment off 9th and Indiana, took it in the first time, and probably the baggage I brought at the time, I liked it. It wasn't really memorable for me. In fact, I remember even struggling a few times, and I think it was because I didn't like the kid during that screening. <laughs> and then just put it to the side, uh-huh. and then see Vinegar Syndrome's putting out this really nice edition. I'm like, oh, 
shit, do I need it? And I'm like, oh, it's got a brand new documentary. It's got two commentary tracks that do are new. Do I need it? No. Am do I, I going to get it? Hell yes. yeah. Well, because if you play things right, and this is why I love Vinegar Syndrome too. Their uh, Black Friday sales. Oh yeah. oh, hell yeah. You can stock up and pick up a lot of good stuff. When you can get in their website. Because oh, they're, they're, they're pretty, pretty good, good about pretty it, good. but a lot of the good stuff sells out quick, so you got to be real quick about it. Quick on the draw. But I think I've, one of the things why I know that I haven't, because when I heard about it, it was only until maybe about four or five years ago. And I think maybe a reason why you never heard about it, because it was only probably one copy at the Tivoli. Oh, yeah. If, right? If, if that. And like I know that nowhere near my area growing up in the woods there had that. Um <clears throat> video even at the smaller mom and pops so i think that's might be another why this is one of those obscure lost to time ones because maybe about five years ago it became on my radar i'm like mm -hmm. what the hell is six string samurai <laughs> you know like i like post-apocalyptic films and so finally when we brought it up I'm like hell yeah let's watch it i'm, I'm down i want to check it off my post-apocalyptic checklist because so far most of the post-apocalyptic because we did that whole month like with Stakeland yeah. and we and boy and his the dog yeah and that was a blast i think we'd like to go back to that month at some point in time just pretty much visit everything that albert pion did exactly go, rip yeah and actually with the way even the movie started itself you're like is this an yeah. Albert pion jam yeah which by the way rest in peace yeah mm -hmm. and a filmmaker that i think obviously unfortunately like every good filmmaker they don't get their due until they pass but i know there at the end a lot of people were reaching out to him so i'm hoping he understood he was a filmmaker that meant a lot and again he was one of those low budget independent filmmakers that had a like a list ambitions but like c-level budgets but yeah. usually made the most out of them i'm one of those people that firmly believes that cyborg could easily be a multi like multi-million dollar blockbuster if it was made with the right budget yeah with the guitar names in cyborg and the guitar Hell work in yeah. six string samurai that would make a hell of a double feature yep. absolutely absolutely i mean like and it, i could see the sequel to masters of the universe and i could be down for him doing a master so the technically uh, technically yeah cyborg, cyborg yeah. is yeah, yeah. you know that's what where i'm they saying get a lot of the that's what i'm saying i could yeah. see i could see 100 percent of it and i'm like i i think they should have went with it said rolled that dice with them i would have been down with it because you said anything in the post-apocalypse again it's a place we'd rather visit than actually live in oh yeah but if you put in a different take like um book of eli is one of those that i dug because then you've got, you know you got denzel in the post-apocalyptic wasteland. I mean, yeah. that is an A And Gary Oldman. And Gary Oldman. It's an underrated flick. Absolutely. It but is I love that we rad. got the apocalypse in the mainstream. You know, normies will go out in, and wander in and, the apocalypse. And speaking of wandering in the apocalypse, this movie is significantly more fun than The Road. Good God. So. <laughs> I still don't understand what your big hang up on the road is. I love the road. It's a great movie, it's but it's, it's, a, it's, it's Vigo. It's Vigo. It's a great movie, but like, it's oh, yeah. fucking. You, de you definitely don't want to watch it if you're having some. A bad a day. Yeah, you're having a bad day. Yeah, right? if, it's, if it's a great kind of Seattle day, you definitely don't want to watch the road. Right. Because no. it's only going to compound on top of it. Mm -mm. But that's what I love about post apocalyptic films. There's a variety to choose from. Hell, I think, aren't there some like. Ones that veer more into comedy. Oh, Turbo absolutely. Kid. Well, Turbo Kid's not funny, funny, but there's a lot <laughs> of funny yeah. moments in it. And actually, there was, I forgot, there was multiple moments in this movie that made me giggle quite mm -hmm. a bit. Multiple moments made you laugh. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's hard to make you laugh, but you anything to get a an actual audible laugh out of you, I always feel good if it oh, happens. Yeah. There, were, there were definitely chuckle fest to be had in chuckle. this film. <laughs> well, then you also add the element of the kid, and it's definitely leaning heavy and a lone wolf and cub, and be it through Mandalorian, which also borrowed from that. Well, it this movie, and I mean this in a positive way, it feels like a cartoon. It feels like one of those like early 90s uh, anime cartoons mm -hmm. that you see back in the day, the ones that like don't really have big, long volumes, just more one-and-done type situations, but just oddball enough where, like, things are otherworldly. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying this shit's magical, right. but this isn't 
absolutely taken serious at all, but the fight scenes are. You know what really what it reminded me of was the Power Rangers, the mm-hmm. television show. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the the fight sequences were well choreographed. They they went on for as long as they needed to be, but not too long. And I mean, the dialogue was a little campy, but you know, you could always you you enjoyed it. It wasn't like super cheesy. You know but what I mean? See, that's the thing. It was enough. Uh, that's why it reminded me of an anime movie. It was just enough from our hero and our protagonist where we don't need a lot of yakky right. smack. Yep. This isn't a, this isn't necessarily needed to be a lot of dialogue, monologue back and forth, let the atmosphere and the action take precedence. And going back on that, it's for the most part he's not a silent hero, but he is definitely a man of very very few words and the child was a lot of it. Now I can see where that would be grating on people. I actually was kind of fine with it. I didn't mind it. I wasn't being like, oh, I'm going to make that shit my ringtone. But I'm like saying, <laughs> but at the same time, like, I could see where it would be grating, but it's not getting on my nerves. And, you know, having a little kid in your post apocalyptic film is a pretty dicey situation because you can go feral kid. Mm hmm. And which is always, again, I think, I don't think anyone dislikes feral feral kids. So feral kids, so on the spectrum of kids in the apocalypse that you want to like be cool with, you have feral kid on the great end and on the bad end, you have that kid from Quiet Place that decides he wants to like play with the ambulance, (laughs) right? So, yeah. So in that spectrum, I think this kid, like, kid falls squarely more in the feral kid Mm -hmm. camp. He's definitely not as cool as Feral Kid, because give Feral Kid a boomerang, you got some shenanigans. But this kid wasn't bad. He could hold his own. Apparently, he's a mechanical genius. That's just it. He has a utility. And we'll leave the backflips to our six-string samurai, Mm -hmm. which multiple functionality of one Jeffrey Falcon, which, by the way, how great of a name is Jeffrey Falcon. It sounds like a G.I. Joe name. Yes, it does. Oh, please tell me when he punched somebody, he said Falcon Punch. Epic. Please tell me if he did Falcon Punch. Well, I think it's his work in this movie because he was the um, the stunt supervisor. He was the choreographer for the all the action scenes. So, oh, absolutely, oh, yeah, and that's yeah. So let's ask uh, as our, our yeah. action connoisseur, and how did this this action come into play? Because the first fight scene is very stylized i mean they're all stylized but this is camera trickery stylized later on it gets more like i'm not saying it's less shaky cam but he definitely made this hey this is a 90s movie at the very beginning um but the other fight scenes and even that odd camera one well how did that play for you dude for a low budget film they were remarkable i mean honestly with with the sword play and just the the martial arts aspect of it amazing you know, you didn't have a lot of you didn't have a lot of things that were like you could see where they were like missing kicks or missing punches. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were going at it. They weren't pulling anything. They, they weren't pulling right. any punches essentially. And you it know? wasn't wire work. No, flips no and I mean kick this was either. just athleticism. Yeah. You know, on showcase. So, I like the fact they all had, they all were different in the aspect that they all had their own different costumes. Mm-hmm. They're all in the different gangs. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's another aspect that we had said in the Warriors yes. uh, post-apocalyptic checklist that they have to have like accoutrements of plenty. Yep. And we did have a very variety style of gangs. We had like the what the fog whisper, the wind whispers, the or the wind walkers, the pinheads. We had the cavemen, the Soviets, the Soviets, and and like I was telling Greg, at least it wasn't the Satan's cavemen that were chasing them. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't like to joke about that. Okay, <laughs> I even told you like I even doing that. You gave me my shining kid moment. I was like, <laughs> like we don't like to talk about those and. We could have possibly had the moment when our when the homie came into play. Yeah, right. Who was a great character uh, throughout? What was what was the uh, the the pun that genius threw out? I don't remember. Oh, I remember. I can't Cur- remember. Little swole. Oh yeah, he's he's. Oh bald. dude, he wasn't a cholo. He, he was, was a swallow. Bald. He was swallow. He was. <laughs> He was just raw. Dude, he was huge. Yeah, I was. I mean, he had a six-pack. Yeah, I was. Like a well-defined six-pack. Mm-hmm. Not good with kids, but that's okay. Yeah, that's you know. okay. He can kick my ass, man. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't going to say that joke to his face. Well, it's funny because the he fact that- He'd probably be cool with it, though, because like, he's raw. I know. He's like, like he'll fuck you up. Games, baby. Games. Yeah. Well, the whole film is very much a play on uh, A Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. So his inclusion, in fact, saying- 
stay on the, the yellow brick road. We're getting to Oz. We're getting to lot. So the premise of the film, 1957, the Soviet Union attacks the U.S. with a nuclear bomb. Um, everything is bombed out except for Las, uh, Las, Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Las Vegas. And Elvis is the king. He's died. So who's going to be the new king? And so now everybody from across the country is coming to claim the fight for the chance to be king of Vegas. Very simple Las premise. Las Vegas. Yeah, in Las Vegas. And the combination of the choreography of the score of again the the rockabilly score by a soviet band a russian band by the name of the red elvises who and you see them in, in the, the film. in all their glory mm. and they, they are at least they didn't have like a hitler horn section i mean they're a cool looking band they had but in the pantheon of bands that we've seen in horror they're no dino lee dino lee yeah you know oh, what i'm he's saying still the top of him the um the, the, sick, the fucks. sick fucks, yeah. But at the same time, but I would go to a concert of the Red Elvises. You're, you you got to work with what you have, genius. This is the post-apocalyptic, okay? They don't get to have, you know, some crazy stage at least show. They didn't, at least they didn't have the band from a boy and his dog. Remember when that, that chicken band came out? The problem was at a certain point when they're in one of the one of the many little towns that he gets to, I'm like, yeah, that's genius and I doing our thing there. Yeah, there we're introducing and hosting. Yeah. Uh, and No, but at the same time... The the Red Elvises were cool, and the, again, the gangs were cool, the designs were cool. I would go to a Red Elvis show, but I think out of all, aside from Buddy Holly and the kid, I think the, the, the one character that stood out for me was our main antagonist was the embodiment of death. I think as like a big mutated skeleton-faced slash, mm-hmm. he looked fucking dope. I thought him, his cronies were goofy too. God, they were great, yeah. and actually I wrote several quotes in this movie because- Several times they all made me giggle and they made me laugh out loud because they got nerdlinger voices. And one of them at that point, one of his disciples, he's like, "Mm, the boy makes him very uncool, almost like an audience surrogate of those people that dislike the kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, you know, it doesn't make him cool. And he's cool enough that he does a snap when he's like really when he's really quipping. Which I liked. Again, it adds to the more outlandish cartoon behavior Mm -hmm. because this is. I think from the first fight scene when it's like just good because it's serious. You're like, okay, are they playing oh. this serious? But then when that like Clint Eastwood dude comes along and just blows up his, him in his car, <laughs> then it's like, okay, yeah. this is going to be a silly Would apocalypse, you- but it's not overtly goofy and that's just it it is on the turbo kid side it is absolutely it is on the turbo yeah. kid not the kung fury it's they, made with heart they're like we want to tell a cool story mm-hmm. we don't have a lot of money but we're gonna we're gonna put on a show anyway but we have jeffrey falcon and throughout the movie he see, there's just i was having this weird deja vu where his kung fu his karate his stance his gait all seemed familiar and thankfully through the miracle of the interwebs, I realized where I where I recognize him from, and it, the the movie itself is that I've seen that. Um, go to the Trailer Wars trailer compilation put out by Draft House Films. It's the one that starts with Stunt Rock. It's a it's a trailer compilation that's fucking changed my life, man. It's introduced me to some amazing movies. Another boutique. It's yeah, it's a commentary. Mm-hmm. It's actually it's Draft House Films. It's well worth your time. It's streaming on Tubi right now, I think. So Tubi huh. or not Tubi? Tubi with this one. Um, but it closes with this Hong Kong actioneer film called Thunder Cops. And as we've seen it, you just experienced mm-hmm. it for the first time. It escalate. It goes into standard kind of kung fu actioneers, guys beating each other up. But it closes with some of the craziest shit that you'll see. Uh uh, finish uh, finishing off with this huge explosion and head explosion, and then just thunder cops. So, what you number one? What'd you think of the, the trailer? At least, would you watch it? Oh yeah, hell yeah, I'd watch it. Okay, if we could find it, that because be... it starts off with like um, Hong Kong cop action. You know, you're expecting to see doves fly out and shit. Right, yes. The next thing you know, it turns into zombie fair, mm-hmm. and then the next thing you know, you have RC floating head being, floating head being, floating chased, being chased by, by RC, RC helicopters, helicopters with yeah. missiles. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's wonderful, but. It was the kung fu portions that really stuck out to me because they were wild. They looked really crazy. But I remember this one guy that stood out and from all the other fighters. And going to the MDB, I realized Thunder Cops is an AKA. And it also goes by 
Operation Pink Squad 2. See, that sounds like something Vinegar Syndrome would put out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it does. You know yes, what I'm saying? Thunder, Early on in right? the run. E- either, th- either under the Thunder Cops banner with the like, hey, this is wild and weird, or like under the Lady Pink Squad, what's it called? Uh, Operation Pink Squad 2. So I guarantee That's they got funny. a number of returns going, yeah, this is what I expected. I as as we click all. on the Contact Us part of Vinegar Syndrome's <laughs> website. That's funny. <laughs> I hope somebody got fired for that blunder. No, but but he, he, is, he was a mainstay. And a lot of Hong Kong Kung Fu features. And see, going back to that, um, and another point that you put on with the Boutique Blu-ray, that movies like this are getting a lot of love. I'm glad a lot of people who are still with us can see that these movies that they've worked hard on are getting some respect and adoration. And I hope that, like, wherever this Tony Falcon is... Jeffrey Falcon. Jeffrey Falcon. (laughs) Tony Falcon. Uh, Tony Falcon. I got this. Tony Falcone. Right. Right over here. Because well, he just disappeared. Yeah. And when we were going through some of the special features, because, again, this disc is loaded with them, you mentioned, Dustin, when you went to your IMDb, he was like, is this guy, did he die? Yeah, he just fell off after this movie. It's like, I don't see any other, any other credits, whether it be writing, choreography, acting, Acting, yes, so, because he's good. I know, and that, that's he's the really shame. Good. Yeah, he's you a were great martial artist. You were probably like, I would like to see more yes, with this individual. Exactly. Well, when we were watching the making of, they uh, they address it, and they basically said he fell off the face of the earth after this film. Has no internet presence. Apparently, has no care to be discovered where he is. Everyone assumes he's still alive, but they just cannot reach him which just is crazy because, mm-hmm. again, the work of his, and even the chemistry between him and the kid, it works. Like, I like his sardonic deliveries. Right. Mm-hmm. It works. The snapping, and again, the in-camera, no-wire trickery. Dude's pretty badass. Yeah. So if you or anyone you know know the whereabouts of Jeffrey Falcone, please contact... Falcone? Uh-oh. Please... Is he battling Batman? <laughs> right. Please contact your local authorities or 1-800-FBI. So I'm kind of I've got my little checklist here. Uh, we talked about some of the individual fight scenes. There's that first one with the pinheads. And what I really the pin pals, the, the pin, pin pals. pals, the pin pals. That's what it was. The pinheads. I'm thinking of uh, back to the Cena- future or I or the Cenobites. <laughs> but what I thought was cool with every fight scene was it highlighted different skills of Jeffrey Falcon, be it the sword play, the hand-to-hand, mm-hmm. but you would also get different styles of rockabilly music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like different variations. And at one point, there's this one that had him work in real good slow motion, and the music slowed down, and then the tempo just started slowly increasing, as did the movement in the fighting choreography. And I was like, holy shit! Again, for a low-budget independent film like that the attention to detail from the red elvises too because cool like the pen pal fight this the song was more comedic mm-hmm. like and then oh no the, that was the cannibal family we get to them but the, but the cannibal family was also very goofy too but the, each one had its own song because yeah. the pen pal fight had had uh like like rockabilly music yep but then you'd get to the uh fog people both times, the Terrifying. underground that and fog people, and the music wasn't fun and lighthearted anymore. Yeah. But then you get to when he's fighting the literal Red Army, and the music is like a folk, a rockabilly folk version of um, old Russian songs. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it was very all rockabilly, but all varied enough where it's not. Unless you despise rockabilly from Jump. That's just it. If you don't like rockabilly, this movie is not for you. Thankfully, I've seen the good Reverend Horton Heat like. Multiple times, and I know the man is still touring mm-hmm. to this day. I've always been a big rockabilly fan. Um, in fact, there's uh, there's one point there was this band called Scrote Belly. <laughs> <laughs> we call, we kind of referred to them as Helmet Billy. They were intense, but I just love the the frantic nature of rockabilly and the fact that a lot of it is fun. Mm-hmm. And I think that really matches the tone because. Th- the movie doesn't take itself seriously. No, no. And it's no, almost satirical. No, no more, nor should the audience. No, no, no. The thing you need to soak in is the fighting, the choreography, the fact that they shot in Death Valley. Yeah. The cinematography in this movie, no ones and zeros, and maybe a matte painting or two possibly, but natural settings 
looked wonderful. Yeah, then, because we even made the joke, God damn it, Steve, we're losing light. Get the shot. The, there's a moment. <laughs> it got a little dark. You're like, oh, you guarantee that it's someone the was last sweating. shot of the day. Like, holy <laughs> shit. And that's the, the film is held together by that kind of love. And when you listen and watch some of the special, because I did watch, I don't know how many goddamn Blu-rays I've bought where I've watched the making of and I have yet to seen the movie. <laughs> so when you were talking about that, Dustin, I was like, yeah, I did this with this movie. This was the first time watching the film, but I did watch that making of because I want to learn mm-hmm. what happened with all this stuff. And the actually the making of this is really nice because it was made during COVID. So everyone is shot through Zoom. But to see the genuine enthusiasm everyone has, like reminiscing on the film and the making of, they said it was harsh as all get out. But everyone was there because they wanted to make a movie. And they well, wanted to make a good movie. movie. Death, Valley. Death Valley. You're making shit underground. You got tuxedos wearing them. All your death is wearing all leather duster and shit. You got fucking spinach monsters after your ass. Well, and we've also throughout when we went spent a month in the wasteland, we established a number of like tropes and expectations. One of the things that we realized: never descend. In the apocalypse. No. Ever. No. Ever, never, never. Nothing, nothing good is going to come from it. No, no, nothing. To the point because, we got... Oh. Oh, I'm just saying, because as as bad as the people that live overground are, the ones that live underground, underground are the worse. That, that were probably a little too close to the radiation That's blasts. where you get robo-cretins. That's where you get the truly scary gangs. Because, yes. like, yes, right. the cavemen gangs were, like, ominous as a point, like, you know, you don't want to get, like, attacked by them. But at the same time... The underground fog people. Mm. And you know what? Fucking the underground fog people were scary as shit. But the overground fog people, the overground fog people, when they came just like almost a zombie horde, they just burst through the windows. They were, it was some Dean Cundy ass yeah. shot with them coming in. With them in like coming that. in. It was very John Carpenter's The Fog. I was impressed with some of that scary. I was like, God damn, that's intense. Yeah. And it was the wind family that came through with the fog. Invest- and this is actually, though. When he comes through and starts fighting him, we get more of, in this case, Dustin, you told me to uh, pen this one, uh, Benny Hillbilly music. Hell yeah, dude. That was gold. And it actually fits Because <laughs> <laughs> Rockabilly is right on the <laughs> precipice <laughs> <of a little laughs> Benny Hill. <laughs> and between the weird cannibal family and their cartoon-like nature, between um, the gag when he throws the kid over the shoulder and oh. like, ah, ah. It's something out of Kentucky Fried Movie. That was funny because it, he was the whole crying like wah, and then like he would laugh, ah, and then as he was picking up, ah, 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 it, ah, it made me it laugh. This is giggly because I know kids can be t- sometimes they can be insufferable in movies and in real life, but <laughs> I think this kid did a good job. He didn't really like again, like I said, he didn't strike me as like man, fucking that kid needs to go now if that kid was the babadook kid he would have been left in that wasteland and uh, that's just it i know you have baggage with kids and films so i know that could have made it or break for you so i'm glad it made it for you and watching it the second time i think i had my first initial time i had issues baggage i brought this time no i yeah. worked for me especially i thought he was nonverbal the entire time he does eventually start talking, and that's when you find out, yeah, he's got a great utility. He he knows how to fix cars. Quickly. Quickly. He, he came Efficiently. To, uh, here, he came to fix cars and chew caveman bubblegum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the bubblegum. I wonder what caveman bubblegum, I bet it tastes like terrible. Like grape like, nuts. Awful, because like, it didn't look fresh. No. No, not at all. Well, you know what? It's probably that Bazooka Joe guy. There was a lot of candy. And like the only thing I've seen people eat besides trying to eat other, each other was candy. Because the caveman threw bubble gum. The mm-hmm. cannibal family offered candy. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, where are you going to find meat other than people? Right. I didn't see a lot of animal. Uh, we saw one animal. We, we saw a leopard. Uh, illegal leopard. And it wasn't even a real yeah, leopard. It had a stuffed leopard, a stuffed leopard well, with a giant. It was stuffed, but yeah. It was unstuffed. There we go. It was yeah, a big old gape leopard, but big old gaping leopard. It was just. But yeah, you didn't see a lot of animals. No. You didn't see a lot of birds, no but pigeons. At the same time, like this movie, say if the apocalypse started in 1957, it is 40 years later. Like, their candy must be like either scarce or it must be like. In abundance, Roots man. And berries it's the or... one thing that doesn't get destroyed. I mean, think about what Zombieland taught us. They were just after a Twinkie. That's true. <laughs> you I want know, some candy right now. Exactly. That's <laughs> the one. That's the one thing that survives. Dude, starch and sugar, baby. Hell yeah! Give Keep me a moving. bag of Jolly Ranchers, and I'll turn that shit into currency. His master's voice. And like, check it out. There's some Werther's original. 
You want some hard candy? Well, we even get to the point where we have uh, the requisite brothel scene. Yeah. And <laughs> the way the cheerleader somersaults into the, the scene. The cheerleader was like, hell yeah, I'm taking this one. Flip, 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 flip. She literally somersaults into the scene. That one cracked me up. And then him exiting it and that guy rolling up on him, he's like, do you know who I am? And he just goes, nope, and pops him in the head. Another moment, man, gave me the giggles. <laughs> it just worked. Cool hero. He was. He was pretty, pretty rad. We've got uh, more of, there's that scene when he's doing all the arrow dodging, and you've got that one, like, uh, that Pulp Fiction song, we can call it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was playing, and I know it's not beef with you, but I think we we're all anticipating some return of the arrows yeah, that were being collected. He, he I collected them all, and then he didn't do anything with them. He just collected. Maybe he was just making sure that the the desert wasn't, you know, littered. I mean, good for him. Like, hey, we don't have a lot of time to do this, so let's do me a favor. While you're running from the arrows, pick them up as you're running. Yeah, we're uh, gonna kill two for um, one. And action. Jeremy, the uh, the the stunt prop coordinator, he called in sick today. Would you mind picking up after yourself when you, we shoot this scene? Ah, sure, no problem, boss. These are expensive arrows. They're real arrows. Dude, real arrows? Real arrow. you, you, quite, you never know with a low-budget movie. Yeah. That's the one thing. And then we get the final confrontation between Death and our buddy Holly guy. And if the Wizard of Oz parallels weren't obvious or, you know, kind of not subtle enough for you, let's just say instead of what a world, we get what a wasteland. Yeah. I'm melting. Did that work for you? I liked it. I thought because it was fun because it's also, goofy enough. What's so, not also in the wasteland? Water. Water. Let, let me ask you that. a question right before he does that. He says, "You'll you and your guitar will bend to the knee of metal." Right? Did that work for you? Listen, I I grew up a metalhead. You know, I I, I rocked a mullet in my uh, high school years. I still love metal. I love me some rockabilly. Uh, went to many a rockabilly show when I was a little bit older and starting to actually embrace other genres of music. If I have to do it, if, if a sword fight exists between the two of them, I'm thinking metal will win just because most metal album covers feature some dude wielding a weapon. Pretty brutal. Yeah, like yeah. a Scottish claymore yes. or a broadsword. On yeah. fire. Yeah. That by principle alone, I think, would just shatter anything that rockabilly would have, but... The rockabilly fighter would look good and sound good, but would inevitably just be power- crushed under the power of metal. And see, here's the thing. Okay, let me, on that same thing, let me ask you a question. He missed the obvious joke of wield to the power of death metal. Would that made have been better, or would that line took you out? Uh, I don't know, because technically... Or would you like, death, man, that's boo. Death metal came a little bit after the introduction of heavy metal, or what is considered that, so I, I'd be fine with it. And fuck okay. it, it's, it's a post-apocalyptic film. Right. With the slash death. It doesn't Let's have do to it. make much sense. No, I don't need sense in this. I need... Nothing act- makes sense in this movie. It's wonderful. It's great. Mm-hmm. Especially the fact that he takes, like, a dozen arrows to the back, multiple slices, and he still doesn't die. And for the most part, he kills... Tons and of tons people. of people, but it is a bloodless movie. There's like nary an ounce of blood in this. I, I mean, they even say it. They're like, there's only one person that could take out this many of the Soviet gang. You know, it's, it's four like, eyes, and nobody yeah. really has gives him a name. <laughs> nope. I mean, because even the kid calls him buddy, and even the kid doesn't have a name. If he had a name, it was gonna be like Nyeh! just like because that's what he screamed. Yeah, because that's what he even screamed I'm to call it. him. Yeah. So, final thoughts. Before we uh, wrap up our time in the wasteland, here with Six String Samurai. I'm ready for the Scott Atkins remake. <laughs> I think this is a really fun movie, a really great movie, and I'm glad like it exists. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think it would go into my apocalyptic rotation, definitely above like some other shit that we've seen. But you know, I, I I'm still got that flex appeal but at the same time <laughs> i wouldn't mind seeing a crossover i would like to see uh i would like to see the six string samurai bunch of war boys well why, yeah and why the don't six string samurai versus the rock and uh, the, the ayatollah of rock and roll leave the guitar and walk away <laughs> and rock away well then we could also technically get into las vegas as well mm-hmm. and see what the lives ayatollah beyond. goes to las vegas yeah, the yeah. emerald city there and that's where the movie Leaves off with a snip, snip here and a clip, clip there and a couple of la dee da's. That's the way we play all day in the merry old land of Oz. What are your thoughts, Dustin? I enjoyed it quite a bit, man. This this is definitely going to go on a rotation. 
And I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people that I, I don't get won over easily by films. So when I see really good action, really tight choreography and stuff like that, I'm just like, you know, all the other, the, the goofy stuff, mm-hmm. I can I can overlook just because the film was well made. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you think the budget that they had or didn't have, and the film was great. And what was funny was, but I even had a precursor before, and I was like, uh, it's a post-apocalyptic film. It's weird, but it's not society weird. And you're like, <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. Because we've, we've, we've put you through some movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen some things, man. Stuff. I've seen some things. Well, regardless, this was, and even if like Rockabilly isn't your film, your thing, post-apocalyptic movies aren't your thing. It's still worth your time. And if it's not, Vinegar Syndrome is going to have you covered regardless. Uh, every, if whatever kind of like itch, scratch you have, they're going to be able to itch it. Yes. Yes, they are. They're about to get, <laughs> they get weird. They, they they like to get but weird. this is the good kind of weird. This oh. is definitely a fun one. It's, it's our kind of weird. Just watch out for like the, the, the little, little tiny elves, man. Be the new the king, man. I, I like oh. having them there. Tiny elves goes to Las Vegas. Come on, man. Have Nicholas Cage. That's what up I wanted to see. I wanted to see Nick Cage as like tiny Elvis, just like walking along the side of the road to Las Vegas. That'd be awesome. He's still with us, and he's he still likes sequ- to work. And maybe in the remake, maybe Scott Atkins has to fight King Elvis. No, tiny Elvis. Tiny, uh, he's like CGI, like a mutant Elvis. <laughs> but only if it's bad CGI. I'm with that, it. That would work. Definitely down, definitely down. So again, thank you for taking the journey there with us, yeah, Dustin. Man, thanks for bringing the movie over. That's awesome. Ah, no, again, we are celebrating uh, physical media and the boutique Blu-ray labels that we love. And we'll be going, let's... Let's go to the mall next week. Yeah, let's go to the mall. Okay, perfect. And we're going to leave it at that. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Mm